everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Clinical Appraisal, a show dedicated to exploring the foundations of nursing science, including theory, measurement, and methodology. My name is Ian Lane, and as always, I am your host. None of the information presented here constitutes medical advice, and everything I share is my opinion and is not intended to represent those of my employer, university, or affiliates. A little housekeeping before I start today. Uh, I am uploading an episode shortly, probably within the next couple of days, on uh, alarm bells in the acute care nursing setting, both on the nursing process and nurses themselves, as well as on patients and patient outcomes. This was published in, I think it was 2019, in the Journal of Intensive and Critical Care Nursing. I've not fully reviewed the paper, so I'll withhold any preliminary thoughts or opinions now and save the rest for the actual episode, (laughs) but it should be an interesting paper. Second, I have a series of interviews that I am going to be doing very shortly. I will be talking with a Texas nurse practitioner, an emergency nurse practitioner named John Canyon. John is, he's been a nurse practitioner for a long time. He's a fount of knowledge and he has been attempting to delve into this problem of the educational paradigm in advanced practice nursing and is looking at ways to enhance and maybe reframe aspects of it, uh, rejuvenate parts um, from a legislative perspective in, in the state of Texas. It'll be interesting to see what he has to say on those things. As well, I think John has formulated his own conception of a meta theory in nursing, maybe particular to nurse practitioners, but I will certainly be asking him about that as well. So that should be an interesting episode. I also will be interviewing Dr. Ann Sales within the next several weeks. Ann Sales is a notable implementation researcher and has a nursing background, is a nurse herself. And um, I'm very excited to talk with Dr. Sales about where she sees implementation science fitting into the nursing paradigm, and also maybe what her views are on how nursing can enhance implementation science as a as a field in and of itself like where nurses are uniquely able to participate in that dialogue for example as well i will of course be asking her about some of the core methods that she uses for her work and some of the projects that she's been undertaking from that vantage point so that should be a very exciting episode The last thing I would say is that I'm also very interested in doing a series of episodes on the critical nursing theorists. And this arose uh, yesterday. And because this podcast has, and I'll talk about the evolution of this line of thinking in a moment, but because the podcast has sort of morphed a little bit and evolved over time, And I don't just talk about instruments and validity or, I don't know, reliability coefficients or something on this podcast. Uh, Of course, I do that, but I don't exclusively do that. Uh, I've realized, and again, I'll talk about this in a moment, but I've realized that this is a very odd analogy. But imagine that the, the floor, the ocean floor is the foundation of nursing, right? Um, There are different things on that that comprise that foundation. One of them is the tools that we use, and that could be for research or practice or both. Uh, Another thing that you could find on the floor, that foundation, that edifice might include things such as theoretical structures, um, that might be meta-theories or mid-range theories or other such theories, pragmatic theories, And these all sort of culminate in the basis of the discipline. And that is where my core interests lie in terms of the functionality of this podcast. We can talk about that, uh, and we will, but for the purposes of what I'm saying here, 
I'm, I feel as though I don't want to limit myself to exclusively talking about, I don't know, instrumentation. Uh, instruments are important, but they, devoid of theory, are sort of meaningless. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself, but let me backtrack and say, I'm reading a book called Nursing Theories. I'm one of these people that reads like too many nonfiction books at one time, and I'm currently reading this book, Nursing Theories by Julia B. George. It's the fourth edition, so it's a little bit of an older edition, I believe. But uh, Dr. George has created this nice culmination of nursing theorists throughout the years, starting with, of course, Florence Nightingale, and ending, I think, with, in the fourth edition, Weidenbach. Uh, maybe Benner might be the last one. Um, but, I mean, it includes everyone from Florence Nightingale all the way through Kolkaba and Benner and Rizzo Parse and all these thinkers. And I have started reading this a while ago. I think I made a mention of it in the podcast earlier uh, in the year. And I'm still reading it because, you know, we don't really read methodological work or theoretical work as you would like a fictional story for example, you can't just mindlessly absorb it and get the plot. You know, you have to really consider each paragraph. Uh, at least I do. And when I read this book, I always have I have to do a lot of thinking after, which I sus suspect is the proper takeaway from a theory book textbook, um, because these are. I mean, essentially, think about this. This is like a 600-page book, which really isn't that long. It's not the length that I'm getting at. The point is that it's 600 pages are comprised of the decades of thought that went into the construction of these individual theories by these high-level thinkers in the field condensed into a single textbook. So what I find myself doing is perusing you know, a few paragraphs, and then really having to close the book and think deeply for sometimes hours or days. And there are some that are more difficult than others. There are some that are more interesting than others to me. Of course, that's a subjective thing, of course. Um, but I still have a lot to say about these things. And you know, part of the fun of having a podcast is to be able to talk these things through and sort of um, work through these ideas. And as I mentioned specifically on a recent podcast episode to you, I use this primarily as a mode of learning so that I can be a better teacher and I can be a better, you know, future nurse practitioner and nurse researcher. I think it'll really help me and I hope it'll help my listenership to go through those individual theories one by one in a series. So that's what I'm proposing. Uh, you can let me know what you think about that via email if you have strong opinions on that one way or the other. But I think it's going to be crucial to revisit the theories that are the current edifice of the foundation of the discipline as it stands and revivify and update some of these things moving into the future. I was thinking about it. I'm reading this book and I'm thinking about these individuals and I, I'm doing a little bit of sleuthing in the background on some of the, the theoreticians. And some of them are still with us. You know, Dr. Kolkaba, I believe, is still alive. I want to say she's like 77 or 82. I can't remember if I'm blending in some of my Google searches here, but uh, Dr. Benner is still alive. Rizzo Parse, I believe, is still with us. I don't think she's quite as advanced in age in comparison. I think uh, Sister Callista Roy is still alive, um, although I think she's closer to her late 80s, although I apologize if that's not the case. Um, in any case, you know, we have some of these people, we call them living legends, I think, for good reason, uh, who are still around, but... What I noticed as I did this sleuthing is that the real core meta-theories of the field that have been advanced since the early 1900s, they've really been instantiated early on and then built up by a core handful of individuals, which, of course, that's to be expected. That happens. 
it follows a, a, an exponential power law curve, these things, anything in terms of human productivity or creativity or human capital, any of these things tend to follow an exponential curve where a small select few individuals are producing most of the the actual output. But what I've realized as I did this is that most of these individuals are either deceased or quite advanced in age. And while it's nice that we still have our living legends, it makes me wonder what happens when they too pass? Who keeps their legacy alive? Now we have these books like Dr. George's textbook, and it's one of maybe two that are out there that are uh, of a decent quality. Um, but then I think about how few people actually read textbooks and how they're sometimes purchased for school, uh, sometimes rented for school, but rarely ever actually read. And it just feels like there needs to be an additional outlet for this information to continue to propagate and also to be updated. Because if we don't have any new nurse theorists, of course we do. There's a journal of philosophy and nursing that's out there, and it's a, a very high-quality writing in that journal. I recommend reading it. Uh, but there, you know, while there's some very high-level thought that's out there, I don't know... And maybe I'm just missing something. And if you're in the area of theoretical nursing or philosophy of nursing, uh, please send me an email. I want to know you and your thoughts and your theories. Um, but from what, from where I'm seated, I don't see a lot of novelty in this area in terms of really high-level, profound theoretical thinking in terms of like, paradigm shifts in theoretical nursing. Like each of these individuals brought forth, the, even the ones I disagree with strongly, like the f field energetic theory as, or theoreticians in nursing, uh, like Watson and um, I think, I haven't gotten there yet, but I think Weidenbach might be an energy uh, field person. Um, and I don't mean that to be disrespectful. I just, I, I'm, this is from recollection. I'm not looking at the textbook right now. I'm just not into that sort of thing. I just, I can't get myself beyond my scientist hat, logician hat to be able to embrace those theories. But nonetheless, despite the fact that I disagree with them, these are all wide paradigm shifts from previous theories. And there are several different bins that you can put these big meta theories of nursing in uh, from sort of environmental theories and interactionist theories. Um, and they're all fascinating, but they're all old. And there have to be new ideas, not just to revivify and embolden the old ideas, but to reconceive them and reconfigure them and to build something new, something different. And we need another paradigm shift. I, and I want to be careful because I don't want it to sound as if I'm saying we need a paradigm shift because the older theories are not good. Or, you know, it might be that they're insufficient in some important way or that there are still things that can be added to them to make them better. I'm sure that's true. And I have no idea whose job it will be to do this. <laughs> um, this is just pontificating, I suppose, at this point, but I feel as though this is a very important topic. And maybe I should just backtrack and say, what I'd like to do is use this outlet as a means of promulgating some of this information in an effort to, I, yeah, I guess just revivify some interest in this in young nurses or new professionals like myself uh, and my peers, hopefully at school. So yes, I'll just table that for a moment because I have some, some additional thoughts on that. So yes, I think I would like to do a series of ep podcast episodes on each of the major theories that have been historicalized in our field and sort of take them one by one, including the ones I really like and the ones I particularly dislike, uh, 
give a sense of like where my thoughts align and why uh, or why not, and just give them a platform, a new platform, a platform that's relevant to today's nurses. I mean, generally, everybody who has access to this technology under a certain age is really invested in audio learning. (laughs) You know, podcast platforms are exploding. And it's partly because it's much easier to listen for two hours than it is to read for two hours. You can listen and learn for two hours while you're driving in a car. Um, You can drive to and from work and in one day learn more from podcasts than you can read in a single day. And at the end of the year, you may have, in audio format, learned more than you would have been able to read in five years. So just from a purely pragmatic standpoint, um, it's, it's a platform that people are using across the board nowadays to get something out there that I think needs to be revisited. But also, you know, I find as long as we are respectful and appropriate, which can be hard to define, um, but as long as we have that respectful professionalism in our approach, I think it's sometimes very helpful to have new eyes and new minds on these topics. So what I'd like to do for the remainder of our time together now is go over sort of three quick or reasonably quick things. One, I want to talk a little bit about the historical evolution of this podcast and sort of how it got here and where I intend for it to go forth from here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the interviews and then sort of the, I guess, the structure of my episodes. And I want to talk a little bit about what I conceive as the purpose of the show. Starting off, the the podcast really started back in like 2017. And for those of you who are not aware of the podcast, uh, The NP Dude, and if you are not, I would highly recommend that you look that up. Uh, the NP Dude is run by a friend, a now friend of mine, um, Jeff Powers, Jeff at the NPDude.com. Uh, Jeff is a nurse practitioner and an attorney in Ohio and uh, a former engineer, really brilliant guy, really lovely guy, really nice family, just great nurse. Like he's just doing a fantastic job. And, uh, you know, like a couple months prior to the pandemic, he had sort of stopped podcasting. I don't think it's final by any stretch. I just think it's, he's got a lot of family stuff going on and he's been, of course, practicing during the pandemic and has been trying to contend with these things. And, um, so he hasn't put anything out in a little while. It's been about a year. Ironically, the last thing he put out actually touched on a a podcast episode that I had done prior on the Dunning-Kruger effect. Um, so that's an interesting little fun fact. Um, but Jeff's podcast is fantastic. And actually, the reason I'm mentioning this is because it's the impetus for mine. Um, so I would say two things. There is a physical therapy podcast as well. Um, I'm blanking on the name. I haven't listened in a little while because I've been so wrapped up with uh, school and work. But um, darn, I'm going to have to get that podcast name. It's going to drive me insane now. In any case, I I listened to to this physical therapy podcast with these two uh, PTs. One is a PhD holder and one is a DPT holder. DPT, for those who are not aware, is a doctor of physical therapy. That's like the physical therapy variant of a, a DNP. It's like the practice doctorate. Um, The difference being is that the DPT is a direct entry professional doctorate, whereas the DNP is uh, an advanced practice clinical doctorate. All that stuff notwithstanding, it is a fantastic podcast. And what they do, the structure of those episodes is that they go through, I think they choose like new high impact articles in the field of physical therapy and talk about them. And they don't go through the methods the way that like we sometimes do here on clinical appraisal, because 
I guess there's a <laughs> there's their level of nerdy and then there's my level of nerdy, which is just uh I don't know. <laughs> Some people have a low tolerance for that. I so I appreciate you people that come and stick around and enjoy that sort of thing on your drive to work. Um but they do a phenomenal job. And what I noticed is that they were the only clinicians or clinical researchers in in one of their cases who were really diving into the research and not just like talking about what had been published recently, but actually talking about the papers themselves, which was the thing that I really loved to do. I liked diving into what a paper was about, how the research study was done, how the paper was written up, what the findings actually said versus what the authors claimed in their conclusion, for example, or their abstract. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people read the abstract in nursing or medicine and assume that that gives them enough information about the study itself, which it definitely does not, and you should not be that person. So I say this because I recognized that there was a need for that sort of niche approach to podcasting on clinical research topics, and that there was nothing like that in nursing. So simultaneously, I was listening to Jeff's podcast, The NP Dude, and uh, learning all sorts of fascinating things about nursing contracts and uh, contract law and how it applies to nurses and some of these things that Jeff talks about, which I have been very grateful to learn from him about, both personally um, as well as through his podcast at this point in time. And um, and having worked with Jeff off air for uh, for other purposes, I can say that he is exactly the person that he seems to be on his podcast <laughs> in real life. Um, so I was listening to these two podcasts, and then I decided to one day take a chance. This was back in 2017 to send Jeff an email and just say sort of like, you know, you inspired me to start a podcast and here's my first episode. And I, so I, I sent him a little like 15 minute clip of what I was thinking. And it, I think it was contrived and the audio was poor. And, you know, in some, in a lot of ways, it really, I've learned a lot since then, let's say, but he was very gracious and kind and said that he enjoyed it. And he thinks that there's an interesting niche here. And what I came to realize is that there was nobody in nursing. There's, you know, 4 million nurses almost, like 3.8 million nurses, right? At the time, it was, I think, 3.5 million. And out of 3.5 million nurses, there were a few podcasts, several of which were by the same gentleman, which is, again, to be expected when you think about um, how these things tend to follow a Pareto distribution. And so, but they were all focused on like how to pass the NCLEX, you know, and that stuff is important and people care about that clearly, or they wouldn't, that podcast wouldn't exist. Um, so it was filling a need, but it was not filling the need that I was hoping to fill. And there were some other podcasts, you know, interviews on some things and, uh, but nobody was really diving into the science of nursing. And on some of the podcasts, like there was this one I think it's still around. There's a RN crash crash cart something or other. Uh, it's an emergency nursing podcast, which does or has done a very nice job. Um, and I've, I believe that they've talked about some research topics on their episodes in the past and um, I thought did a nice job. Uh, but they didn't do what I wanted to do, which was nobody was diving into the articles and nobody was doing what this physical therapy podcast had been doing. So I was like, well, I guess that should be me, especially after Jeff had wrote back and said, you know, this is, is actually a good idea. Um, I think he was maybe a little overly generous, but I guess I'm glad that he was because it pushed me to actually start. So I started back in 2017. And originally, my intention was to review all of this was a, a lofty goal and I I could have done it um or I could do it but I'm not sure it was the best idea um and this is what I mean by it's been a perpetual evolution across time my original ob objective was to read through all of the randomized controlled trials that were published in nursing journals specifically 
I looked it up and I believe at the time there were something like f- approximately 3,000 or 4,000. So anyway, I found like three or 4,000 papers that were randomized controlled trials in nursing science, specifically using a nursing process or looking at uh, patient outcomes from nursing care or nursing-led programs and uh, and things like this. And some were more intriguing than others, but my objective was to go through all of them, every single one of them, and, and to post on them on the podcast. Um, and that could have been a pretty interesting thing to do. But, you know, some of the fields were so disparate. I mean, you know, there are, of course, many areas of nursing. And I also don't have any expertise in some of these areas. Like, but certainly, like, one good example is nurse midwifery. Midwifery is a very complex subdiscipline of nursing, of advanced practice nursing in particular. And it's an entire body of knowledge I I have almost no insight into whatsoever. (laughs) And I have no qualms admitting that because um, it's a, like I said, it's a particularly complicated subdiscipline. And that niche, you know, there are several, probably several hundred very high quality um, studies that were of us of the sort that I was interested in reviewing, but I just don't have the knowledge to do that. And then I sort of realized across time that uh, I wasn't going to have the knowledge to do that in a lot of areas because the idea of research as you get toward the you know more advanced levels, like the doctoral level, for example, is you get further and further pigeonholed into your niche area of expertise, which becomes more and more and more niche. And so I had the things that I was interested in. I'm interested in wellness and self-management. I'm particularly interested in complex physiology and acute care. Um, And so, you know, there are these things. I was like, well, maybe I could focus on those things. And I could have. And so my launching pad was I'm going to look at randomized controlled clinical trials in nursing. And I'm going to focus on the areas that I have some particular interest in, which I think I did for a while. Then I found myself skating further and further away from those areas. And I was sort of becoming frustrated, mostly with myself, because I was finding that I felt scattered, as though I was doing too many things that were beyond what I had decided was the place that I wanted to spend my time for the podcast. And what I came to understand circa 2018 is that nurses draw their information from a variety of disciplines. Nursing is an interdisciplinary field. Now, that's not to say that nursing doesn't have its own unique body of knowledge, because it does, but it does leverage insights from other areas, such as behavioral science and to my chagrin, social psychology, and um, obviously medicine, uh, medical knowledge, some sociology, uh, some economics, of course. And there's sort of a transdisciplinary effort to create this conflagration of different pieces of information in different aspects of nursing. So, you know, I think the reason that's important is because I came to understand that I don't have to be so boxed in. That's one of the things that is beautiful about being interested in the field of nursing is that it allows you, it affords you the opportunity to explore the boundaries. And in nursing, you can pigeonhole yourself in a niche area, let's say women's health or uh, primary care pediatrics or whatever the case is. But Nurses encourage each other to also take into account the ecological context, the social context, the behavioral and psychological contexts, the um, familial context. So you start to integrate all these other aspects of what it means to be a human. And that's one of the, I think, one of the places where people get this idea that nursing is holistic from, because the holism comes from the integration of all these humanistic 
aspects of, of humanity. And I came to understand that a little bit late in my thinking, that it's actually okay to explore some of these things. I have uh, nurse colleagues and friends who really, their work tends to be in health services and economics, um, medical care, and yet their training was in, I don't know, psychiatry, uh, or rather psychiatric nursing. And so the point I'm making is that I felt I was being a little bit scattered when realistically I was being a little bit rigid in retrospect. So then what I decided to do is sort of broaden things out to allow myself the room to do that, but still focusing on like what's important to nurses. So I would maybe explore something in a nutrition article or uh, an exercise science article or a psychological science article, but the purpose was to reflect back on how this had some relevance to nurses or nursing. And um, and sometimes it's easy to do that. For example, uh, a lot of diabetes educators are nurses, and a lot of diabetes and nutrition science articles have a significant overlap with and relevance to diabetes education in nursing uh, as just one example, and there are many. But at the same time, there are some examples where it's less clear how that connection can be made. And, you know, I did several episodes in the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic on educating the public a little bit about COVID-19, which I've since taken down, not because the information was bad, because I was getting the information from the CDC's MMWR and peer-reviewed publications or uh, preprints that were being made available to the public. But then you know, after the first month when I had read every single thing that had been published on this, you know, by month two, there were 15 times as many articles as I could possibly read in a given week. And then by month three, there were, I mean, thousands of articles published. And it just became so overwhelming. And then things became so politicized that it was just not worth, it's not worth having that stuff up. It's not worth talking about those things professionally until this is over, unless your entire career is dedicated to that exclusive area, which of course mine is not. So uh, I've, I've just unpublished those, but they exist. And so I originally thought, you know, you can make the case that public health education is clearly an aspect of nursing. Public health nursing is a subdiscipline of nursing for a reason. But again, I felt like, you know, there's something that I'm doing that's a little bit more unique. Something that I'm bringing to the table that is specific to me. And so it got me thinking, and this is sort of like closer to uh, 2019, 2020. So I realized after thinking that through that what I had really been able to bring to the table is a sophisticated methodological approach to reviewing scientific articles. And so then I, it hit me that what I really needed to be focused on was the methodology. I could explore these things and their relevance to the discipline of nursing and to practicing nurses and nurse researchers, but I could explore a variety of things from the standpoint of nursing methodology or research methodology in nursing. And that resonated with me. There is something to be said about being interested in a wide variety of things and being so high in trait openness, but it can get you into tr some trouble sometimes when you don't concretize a specific identity in terms of your academic interests. And so while I read widely and have a lot of varied interests, I came to understand that actually you can draw a very clear thread through all of those interests. You know, nursing, science, medical science, nutrition, exercise, and behavioral science, they all seem sort of disparate, but of course they overlap significantly. But the thing that I was interested in in all of them mainly was this line that threaded through each of those areas that I and subdisciplines that I was interested in, which is measurement and methodology and theory, sort of like underlying underpinning ways of thinking and ways of analyzing those data. And then I realized, well, that's what my podcast should be. It should be about 
the methodology of science as applied to the discipline of nursing. And again, nobody else out there is doing this. This is a very unique, very niche thing. Now, I realized, or I recognized at the time, and I still believe this to be the case at some level, that I might be the only person interested in this. You know, that was my first thought. Like, is this going to be something that anyone's actually going to listen to? But I came to realize that two things. One, if I am interested in it, someone else out there is going to also be interested in it. I'm not the only person interested in methodology and nursing. Also, it really doesn't matter if I have a bunch of listeners. This is not my profession. My goal isn't to be a professional podcaster. My goal is to be a professional nurse researcher and nurse practitioner and to leverage this podcast to get out some interesting or what I see as interesting information. And this podcast explores a ton of articles that I would not otherwise get to read. People send me articles that I read, which is really interesting. Um, articles I would not necessarily have gotten to see otherwise, I, I'm convinced. I've had really, truly fascinating conversations with people across the world now because of the, as a result of this podcast. Um, so I think I've learned a great deal and I've grown immensely by doing this. So I'm grateful that I've done it. But now I'm in this place where things are evolving yet again. And this is not to say that the overarching premise of the podcast being focused on methodology is going to change because that will never change. <laughs> I will always be the nerdy, methodologically focused theorist at heart that I've always been. So that part will remain the same. But what will change, I think, after having done this for a couple of years and seeing its growth across time and thinking more about the purpose of the podcast, what I would like it to be used for or to be useful for, which is not entirely at my disposal to decide. I, you know, it was one of those things that other people who listen, there's a, if, even if there's not a dialogue per se, there is an exchange in a way where the directionality is not solely dictated by me as the host. It's also dictated by the listenership. So there are some very slight deviations, tangents, and modifications that I'd like to make going forward to the podcast. So I'd like to talk about those briefly. So where do I see the podcast moving from here? Well, firstly, they've been heavily revolved around scientific article reviews. And that will not change precisely. That's a passion of mine that will not go away. And I will continue to share those with you. But as you may have noticed, if you've been a listener for a while, I've tended to explore other areas of intellectual thought. I've done a little bit more theorizing as of late than I had previously thought to do, and it's been sort of a compulsion. Um, I've had episodes where I've just had things to say that I felt compelled to discuss, um, if not solely so that I can refine my thinking on that topic. But that is, has only continued. And there have been several times where I've stopped myself from talking about certain things that I thought might be interesting to delve into not because I had any good reason to, other than the fact that it seems like it wouldn't be suitable for the podcast since I've made it so exclusive to measurement and methodology. So that's the first change that I'd like to make. I want to open it up a little bit to include theory. And there's a reason for this. Partly, theory dictates methodology. They are intertwined. Your methodological approach sort of arises from your theory. But also, theory is the ocean floor. It is the foundation of the discipline. So knowing that nursing theory is the foundation, it is that, that floor of the knowledge that gives rise to the epiphenomena, which is the practice and the research, like the other things that I'm interested in are really grounded in 
the theoretical substructures of that foundation. I think without being able to touch on those things to the degree that I'm interested in doing, I'd really be doing the other topics a disservice. I think I need to couch the methodological in the theoretical or within the theoretical because I believe it's nested. And I think most of the epiphenomenal aspects of nursing research and practice really is nested within nursing theory. So I want to expand my ability to do that. And I want to bring you into that conversation as I'm doing now, because it is really not solely dictated by me anymore. This enterprise is bigger than just me. It also includes you. You're a part of the conversation. And I want to make sure you feel heard and included. So that was the first note, is I want to allow myself the space to include the theoretical. The other thing that I would like to continue doing is the more recent interview process that I've taken on. And the interviews have been fascinating. I have a lot of respect and admiration for the people that decide to come on. Interviewing can be stressful. Uh, You're putting your voices out there and your opinions out there for a bunch of strangers that you don't know who are listening. And, you know, when it comes to podcasting in and of itself, as a host, you sort of get used to it. You sort of, it just becomes part and parcel of the craft. Um, And also you realize that people are generally, as much as we tend to think of the online environment as being sort of cutthroat and mean, generally people really aren't like that. Um, There's a selection bias toward those things on social media, but people appreciate podcasts and, you know, people seem to appreciate this one, which I very much enjoy. Um, I enjoy doing it, but I also enjoy the fact that people are appreciative of it and it helps me stay motivated to continue to do it. But you get used to putting things out there because you're only human and People know that. They don't expect you to be anything other than the human that you are. But people who don't do this as frequently as podcasters like my, I guess like myself do tend to be nervous and I don't blame them. And so the people who are coming on, I have a great respect and appreciation for, and I learn immensely from them. The point I'm making is that it's been a privilege to be able to have these interview episodes. And I'd like to continue to do more of them interspersed amongst the traditional episodes of paper reviews and uh, sort of philosophizing and or theorizing on topics related to methods or foundational ideas in nursing theory. But the point is I'm going to expand these episodes from primarily paper reviews, article reviews, into three pieces Firstly, I'm going to keep a focus, a large focus, on article reviews, mostly of clinical trials of interventions. I'm very interested in clinical trial methodology. I'm also very interested in uh, mixed method studies. And more recently, I've become more interested in meta-analytic research. Uh, And so I hope to talk about some of those things as well. Secondly, I'm interested in doing these interviews I spoke of. And thirdly, I want to have those episodes where I give myself the space to philosophize on air about nursing theory or some specific problem of interest that is seemingly worth discussing. Now, all the while, I fully expect the line of communication to be open, even though these are technically monologues. I want this to be more of a dialogue. I want folks to send in commentary Um, But please let me know what you think, because I do read all of them, and I will amend things as I go along in real time, as information comes in that sort of tells me this isn't quite working, this works a little bit, or keep doing this, I'll adjust. There will be things that I will keep that I like because I like them and they make me happy, and this is my podcast, so the podcast is for you, um, but it's also for me. And there are things that I want to talk about, uh, things that I find particularly compelling. And there are some people who are vehement antagonists to, to some of the things that I 
I want to do, and that's fine. That's their prerogative. Um, but I also, it's my prerogative not to have to care about that. So um, be reasonable in your expectations as well. So uh, let me wrap up with what I see as the purpose of the show. I've thought about this a long time. And the way that I had conceived of the show originally was just find a way to fill the void that's out there. And the void was there's no podcast that focuses on nursing science that really dives into the methodology of nursing studies. And that was true, and that's still true. Uh, well, it's not so much anymore, given that we now do fill that void. But that's not, that's sort of like the first step. But I've had to ask myself, what's next? What's the point? Like, why do it? You know, because the first thing is sort of more like identifying the problem. I've identified that there is a problem. Assuming it's a problem, I think it's a problem that there's no content or no information out there in this space of audio information, audio podcasting on nursing science methodology. I think that's a problem. And I think that I have successfully entered that space in a way that it is helpful in closing that gap, let's say. But the question of identifying the problem is different than the question of now, what's the point of doing this? Like, what are you trying to achieve? So if I ask myself that, and I've thought about this a great deal, I think I'm trying to achieve several aims, and these might morph across time. I think that my overarching purpose is, firstly, to increase the interest in nursing science. Part of my overarching aim is to try to enhance the interest in nursing research for folks who might be persuaded to pursue nursing science. And I hope that that is something that is achievable. And maybe that's a, a longer term agenda. Um, I also want to increase the awareness of and the relevance of nursing theory, both in nursing research and in nursing practice. In nursing research, I think that there are some methodological arguments that are tightly intercorrelated with this issue of theorizing. So one example would be mixed methods research. There's a nurse researcher who's fairly famous. I, I believe she's at Penn, Dr. Meles, and she's been um, publishing for a long time. Um, I think she would consider herself a theorist. Certainly she's, she would consider herself a nurse researcher. She holds a PhD. She's a, a really eloquent writer. She's published a lot, and she has a, an ardent perspective that nursing research really ought to blend the outcomes-based quantitative work with the process-based qualitative work, and that the people who make these dichotomous claims that, it's, that it ought to be one or the other are missing something about something crucial about the discipline of nursing. And there is something about nursing theory there that fits quite nicely, which is to say that there's a theory that nursing is process-oriented. And so then people take that to mean that the research ought to be process-focused, which qualitative research fits nicely. And there's some truth to that. But it, it really cherry-picks one aspect of the theoretical foundation of nursing and then runs with it in terms of the actual practical application of those theories in the research. And so there are some really interesting connections there that can be made that I would like to talk about in the future. I think, secondly, along the same lines, one of the other things I'm fascinated with attempting to do as well is really refining older theories and models and developing new ones. And I don't mean exclusively developing new models and methods, although I definitely would like to do that. However, I also am interested in maybe leveraging the learnings from this podcast to refine and develop meta-theories for nursing, or a meta-theory. You know, firstly and foremost for nursing research, nursing science, but also for the practice of nursing, since 
research, practice, and theory are all interrelated. And thirdly, I think the biggest purpose of the podcast is to show the world and explore the importance and the impact that nursing science can have on human health, on the public's health. I think nursing science is one of the most important things that we can be focused on in human-centered scientific research. As nurses are the most human-centered health professional and one of the most processed-based health professionals, with one of, in my biased opinion, the most interesting underlying theories of care and methodologies of practice, I really think that we have an undervalued discipline. I think we have to really explore ways to improve our outcomes, to improve our studies and our research, to enhance the public opinion. And I guess I don't necessarily mean the general populace per se. I mean like the public opinion within biomedical research, within the enterprise of research, like the NIH, for example. You know, you can sort of tell where the priorities lie in research funding in the United States and abroad, given how much money is allocated to certain things. You know, one of my interests is in age-related disease, which is why I am in an acute care adult gerontological program. And senescence and aging are a, a very interesting area for me. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to read and understand the mammalian target of rapamycin pathway in aging and its relationship to age-related disease and senescence. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting area, but the National Institute of Aging gets some nominal amount of funds or funding each year. The National Institute for Nursing Research similarly gets some nominal funding. You know, this year, this past year, 2020, I think it was $147 billion. Uh, excuse me, <laughs> $147 million. Uh, I think it was $162 million the year before. So call it an average of $150 million per year. Uh, the National Cancer Institute gets something like $6 billion per year. Now, this is not a ton of funding regardless, in my opinion, but at the same time, there's a a huge difference between 6 billion and 160 million. So this to me says something about the general view of some of these fields like aging science, like nursing science, like the health services arm of the National Institute for Mental Health for example, NIMH. You know, NIMH tends to be focused very heavily on intervention-based psychological therapies and psychosocial interventions, and understandably so. But the actual health services landscape, which implements these interventions, the health services research funding arm of NIMH is minuscule. It's a, I believe it's the lowest funded arm of the NIMH. Again, it just tells us where our priorities lie. It makes sense the more foundational, efficacy-based research is funded at a, a, a higher level because of the historical paradigm, the way science has been established from a more reductionist standpoint historically. But these things can be modified and adapted over time. Translational research now takes a bigger chunk of the pie, but I think in part that's because of the sort of marketing aspect that translational scientists or translational enthusiasts have really pushed over the last couple of decades. And I think that we need a similar push for nursing research. And I'll tell you why. I've made this comment before, and I'd like to make it again. Nurses are healthcare in the United States. There is still an inadequate number of nurses to meet the demand. There's not enough nursing scientists or nursing professors to train the budding nurses that we do need. There's not enough to cover what's coming down the pike. Like, we really need more nurses in general. But that part notwithstanding, we still, in the field of nursing, have, 
I think it's between six and eight fold more professionals than in the medical sciences. So I think that previous number I, I stated and I don't quote me on this. I can't remember precisely if this is correct, but I think it's like eight nurses to every one physician. And so when people think of healthcare, they typically think of their doctor. And while that there is, of course, truth to that, because physicians are an integral component of the healthcare industry, but it would be equally understated to claim that nurses are not an enormously influential and integral arm of the healthcare industry in the United States and across the world. And here in the United States in particular, there's almost an order of magnitude more nurses than there are physicians. But that means from a, just a purely mathematical perspective, the ability of nurses to influence patients, partly by the number of nurses and also partly by the time the nurses spend with the patients directly at the bedside, their ability to influence patients is it sits at a, a very different level than the physicians. And so there's the philosophical perspective that nurses have that's different, and that's true to, to some large degree on average. But still, it is the case that nurses think differently, they're trained differently. But even just taking the concrete objective fact that there are more nurses at the bedside and they're at the bedside longer, you can imagine the public health influence of nursing to be an order of magnitude more powerful than the public health influence of medical practitioners. The point I'm making is not to lift nurses above and beyond those other professionals or to diminish the other professionals, not at all. The point I'm making is simply to say that we're not valuing nurses for what they're worth, given what the funding situation looks like. And I think it's because people don't necessarily realize how influential, how impactful really emboldening and empowering these nurses can be. And to be able to empower them with the right information can have tremendous public health impact. So that's the most profound purpose that I've found for this podcast. It's the idea that I am hopefully going to provide some higher quality information and critical analysis to the field of nursing at large to, and to bring it to the public and to nurses at, in general as a profession in such a way as to meet today's standards of information sharing, namely podcasting. There are almost 4 million nurses in the United States today. If I could reach, and of course, many, many more people who listen to podcasts are not in nursing, but are, who might be interested in this topic. So there could be, let's say, 5 million people who might fit into the category of those who could potentially be interested in these topics across the United States alone. And just to be clear, the United States is not the only place where these things can be listened to. And so I have listeners from Ireland and from the Philippines, and I have listeners from Australia. I have listeners from all over the world, and their health systems can be positively impacted potentially by increasing their access to high quality information and by improving their critical analysis skills to be able to review information of their own. And hopefully inspiring folks to be able to look into these things of their own accord, because I am just one person and I don't claim any special knowledge or expertise. I just have an, uh, a vested interest in these topics. And I think that they are of premier importance in this space of nursing research. So I think I wanted to come on today to sort of talk a little bit about what I'm doing, where I've been, where I'm going, and why. And now that I've done that, I have several high-quality, interesting interviews in the queue. I've done a couple already. They are fascinating to listen to. They are uh, each a wealth of information. And I am very excited to have not only a log of interesting studies, but a log of interesting conversations about projects with thinkers across the country and across the world. So as this grows, and as this changes and evolves, I would like to you know, keep you abreast of those things. 
and just sort of touch base. I guess this is a touch base to sort of keep a pulse on where things are at and make sure we're consistently moving in the most agreeable direction. Thank you for listening to this episode of Clinical Appraisal. If you like what I am doing, please take a moment to review the show on your favorite listening app. If you'd like to get in touch with me for any reason, please email me at clinicalappraisal at gmail.com. And if I ever review your work on the podcast and you would like to come on as a guest to discuss that or some other relevant project, please send a note to that same email address. Thanks, and I hope you'll join me again next time.